Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello. How on earth this has been edited together at the speed it has is beyond me. But here we are, and tonight we finally got the one who got away. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, for the first time ever, Harry McCurdy's landlord, Jack Payne. It's the lower league look. 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 I'm not doing the clap, Grant, because the clap didn't work last time because I'm in this new room and it's quite weird on sound. So, guys, we're here. It is Thursday. We never record on a Thursday, but we're here. And I know. I, I feel a bit out of touch recording on a Thursday. It's weird. I feel I feel weird as well because we're recording tomorrow. It's, it's, yeah. To be fair, no. do you know whose fault it is? It's France and Morocco's. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, for anyone who hasn't noticed, talking to us right now, uh, we have current Charlton player. We have Jack Payne joining us. Jack, welcome to the most unprofessional podcast you'll ever see in your life. Sounds sounds good. Look forward to it. Let's go. <laughs> one of us is in a dungeon. One of us is in a messy kitchen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, it works. Um, Hold on. We're about out of our depth here. Charlton. It's League One. It's League what are one, we doing? We, t- we, we decided to branch out. And there's Love certain it. players that we can... We can go into League One for if they've played for League Two clubs and made enough of an impact, and 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 Jack did, um, and he made a lot of people cry this summer when he left League Two. Yeah, we'll come to that. Um, yeah, I want to go back. We like to go back. Well, let's start at the beginning because you started your career with South End. Correct. Yeah. Now, if I'd not read further down that you eventually went on loan to Oxford United, right? I'd have seen that you scored your first ever South End goal for Oxford and then thought you were destined to play for Swindon. Okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. So it kind of you, you know, you you played for you played for South End, nine goals in 32 appearances in your first season as a professional to win player of the year. Yeah. That's a bit mad, isn't it? How was it at South End? Because it's 
not gone great for Southend, obviously off the pitch and things recently, has it? Yeah, of course. Well, I think it was a similar story when I was there, but a lot got swept under the carpet because on the pitch we was quite successful. But yeah, like you said, my first, well, my first year, but the year before that, I actually come on a few times as a sub, but my first proper year where I made quite a few appearances and scored a few goals and yeah, we got promoted from League Two through the playoffs at Wembley, which that was one of my best ever years. I, I loved it and Obviously, I come through the youth team, so a lot of the people I was playing with were good friends and I'm still friends with now. So, in terms of seasons, that's right up there. I loved it at Southend, to be fair. And it's a shame to see how things have gone and hopefully they can turn that around. I know they've started, they're doing better in the league now, but they're a long way from where they should be, really. Mm. It's, it's not an easy league either. Grant knows all about that. No, of course. It's, the it's, National League's horrible. Yeah, there no are some massive teams at the moment. So yeah, it'd be interesting. Massive teams, a lot of money in it. How is yeah. it? How was it as a young pro playing the, playing at Wembley in the playoff final and a really really early part of your career? Was this almost like, wow, I'm playing at Wembley now. This is like a dream come true. So so early. How was that feeling stepping out onto that pitch for the playoff final? Um, do you know what? Not not so much. I think the first few years of my career were sort of like I wouldn't say a blur, but I didn't really know what to expect. So I sort of just. It just sort of happened, whereas now that I'm older and I can look back and I've had highs and lows, now I'm, I live more in a moment, whereas back then it was sort of like, yeah, we're at Wembley, this is what's supposed to happen, but I've been back to Wembley since and like really, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say I took it for granted, but I didn't realise how big of a deal it was at the time, if that makes sense, but it was, it was still one of the best days of my career. Obviously, I come on, scored a penalty and to get the club promoted, the club that meant so much to me, it still means a lot to me. It was, yeah, it was, it was an unbelievable start to my career, really. And, and how is it leaving a club that you've come through? Like you come through the youth ranks, and you, you, you obviously you, you have that moment. You get the, you get the penalty at Wembley. How is it leaving? How, how do you come to that sort of decision? It was it a case of the club needed you to move on or do you make that decision yourself sort of earlier on in the season and have discussions with the club like how do you come to a decision to leave what is essentially your your club really isn't it yeah of course well we got promoted into league one and I had a really good year in league one and my only at the time my only ambition was to stay at the club to sign a new contract and I wanted to be there for a long time the fans loved me I loved being there it was all amazing and that was my only focus and then I hit some really good form around the <clears throat> around the December, January, February sort of time. And just so much interest started happening. My agent was telling me this club want me, that club want me. And then, yeah, it's sort, it sort of come around where towards the end of the season, um, Southend took quite a while to offer me a decent contract, if I'm being honest. Um, and then some of the offers I was getting were too good to turn down and the chance to play in the championship. And yeah, it was, it was, it was a no-brainer. Like, I don't think anyone in their right mind would have turned down the opportunity to mm. play playing the champ. You know, it, it just, it made too much sense to not do it, if that makes sense. See, I can agree with you, like signing for the championship, a championship team, but it was Huddersfield. Now, yeah. I can't get on board with that. <laughs> for me, I'm just like, for God's sake. But, you know, I mean, look, we got you on loan because of, obviously you were at Huddersfield and we, we've got, we have got a good relationship, the rivals, but at the same time, well, League Two, their championship. So, yeah, Huddersfield at that time were phenomenal, like a really, really, really good side. And you, you went there, you played some games for them. You went out on loan to Oxford. 
Yeah. Obviously, that sets up your Swindon time because, you know, there's, a, there's that rivalry there. But I don't yeah. think they even acknowledge that you ever played for Oxford. Um, yeah, I don't think they did, to be honest. <laughs> What's the difference then? That step up from... Because essentially, you, you stepped up from a League Two club. Obviously, you got promoted, but it's the infrastructure and things were still the same. It won't have changed drastically, but you step up to Huddersfield. What's that yeah. difference like? How how different is that in terms of just day-to-day as a player? Yeah, yeah the difference is huge. Like, well, when you said about... So I had a few different championship clubs that come, but I met with the Huddersfield manager at the time, David Wagner, and he put a presentation onto me. And it was like a different sport. I've never seen anything like it. The detail he went into. And like, literally, I come out of there... And I was like, oh, my God. I said to my agent, I don't care what the contract is. Like, I need to be at that club. Like, it was incredible, the detail he went into. But, yeah, literally, no disrespect to Southend at the time. But, yeah, like you said, it was a League Two infrastructure. And, like, the difference in the training ground, the day-to-day stuff, it was it was incredible. And if I'm honest, looking back, when I signed for Huddersfield, I felt like a, I felt like I'd won a ticket. I felt like a fan. Like, if I'm being completely honest, I felt like I didn't belong there. And I think that's a bit of a regret where... I, Looking back, I wish I went there and sort of had the attitude like, yeah, I belong here. This is where I should be. But I remember just, I remember like going in and thinking, how am I here? Like, it didn't feel real because I was, I'd never had like, like, you know, like a lot of kids come up through Arsenal Academies or so-and-so. So like, from the age of 13, I was playing Sunday League and for me, South End was a big step up. So then to come into Huddersfield, it just didn't feel real. It felt like, how am I here sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, like, like I said, mm-hmm. looking back, I wish I sort of went there and thought like, yeah, this is where I should be. But it is what it is. But I, I loved my time there. Obviously, got promoted that year into the Premier League. Played thirty games, so that's something like I can, like, no one can take away from me if that makes sense. So yeah, looking back, it was it was definitely the right decision. Yeah, I mean, you did you, the for a team in the Championship at the time. At that time. There's no bigger place to go and score your first goal either than where you did. You went to St James's Park, yeah, and scored the winner against Newcastle. Like, yeah. it's a it's a daunting ground, I think, as a fan. What's it like? A ground? I think you're the first person we've spoken to who has played a, a, in a ground like that at a league level. Like, what yeah. is it like going from you know Southend? You've come from from League Two. You've been playing. I don't think of the teams that were down there at the time. I think we got promoted to League One, so we were probably in League One at the same time as you. But yeah, you like to make that step up and, and walk out at St James's Park in front of those those fans. Forty thousand hostile Geordies. Yeah, yeah, I'm angry. angry because they're in Always the championship. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, it was. I think it was sold out. It was fifty two thousand on the day, and it was their uh, first home game of the season. Obviously, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure they just got relegated to the champs. So it was their first champ game of the season. And I, I was on the bench. I remember, I remember sitting there and just looking and thinking like, this is the most ridiculous thing. Like, how am I part of this? I remember it felt like a Champions League night. I've, I've, I've watched a couple like Liverpool games in Champions League and it had that same feeling where like, this is unbelievable. And yeah, I remember coming on. I think I only, I come on a few minutes before I scored. And yeah, I remember obviously I scored the win. It was a nice finish and celebrated up and up into the gods with the away Huddersfield fan. And I remember like getting off the, off the off the pitch and just in the, I was in the showers and like it, I just felt numb if I'm being honest I was like what has just happened and I remember as I was leaving the stadium like fans were coming up to me Huddersfield fans saying like you, you have no idea how many people you made happy and I was just like oh my god I went to my phone and I, I honestly must have had like my phone just blew up like Twitter everything <laughs> and I remember I got back to my flat in Huddersfield and I was just on my own 
just all evening. And I was just, I'll, I'll be honest, I was walking around my flat, like, like I couldn't believe what just happened. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, what do I do here? Like, I've got no friends or family around me. Like, to, usually I'd, I've been used to, if I scored a goal with something, I'd go home, my family would be there, I'd go see my friends. And you sort of just share the moment with them. But I was just, I was just there on my own. And I was like, this is, I can't just sit there and watch TV. I've just scored at Newcastle. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't know what to do with myself. I, di I didn't sleep that night. Sitting yeah. doing laps around your house. No, literally, I was, just walking, I was walking around my house like this. I was like, oh my God, like, how has that happened to me? Like, it didn't feel like, it didn't make sense. But yeah, that, that, it was, it, it was incredible. To, to be fair, I feel like that whenever I'm in Huddersfield. What am I doing here? Why am I here? <laughs> How do, I get, how do I get out? Where's my family? Where's my friends? Why am I alone? <laughs> That's just the impact that Huddersfield has on me. Yeah. Um, so you go to Oxford. Um, yeah. You make your debut against Oldham, opening match of the season, winning. Yeah. Um, two assists in your debut. You've you've got like, you've got form for debuts, aren't you? Yeah, debuts. I do all right on my debuts. To be fair. <laughs> Second half at seasons, apparently not, Jack. Just, just start well and then just live yeah. off that. We'll, we'll come to that because that's yeah. that's an awkward conversation. I've, my inbox has just been full of semi-angry Bradford fans with the same question. So yeah, we can, we'll we can have a that. nice chat. What what's Oxford like then? So you, in terms of infrastructure, coming from South End, obviously going to yeah. Huddersfield, then going on loan to Oxford. Is Oxford similar to Southend in terms of how it's set up? Is it because clubs at this level, how do they? It always baffles me. Like players go from club to club. Is there much of a difference within the actual infrastructure of clubs at the level that we're at? Or even uh, yeah, I would I would say there is to be honest. Like, like Huddersfield, the two clubs I've been at where I feel like there was quite a big difference was Huddersfield and Blackburn. Like the train, I think I think the main thing is the training ground. That's where you spend every day. Um, that's mm. like. You know, um, and obviously the stadiums are bigger, but and I think I think the other thing is the mentality of the players. They they just feel like they've got bigger personalities. not so much bigger personalities, but like I don't I don't know the right way to say it. Like a healthy arrogance, like they know they belong at that level, and I feel like that's made yeah. a difference. Um, but I, I really enjoyed my time at Oxford. I played some of my best football with the first six months. I had a really good. We had a great team. Like most of that team are playing regularly in the Championship now, and a few in the Premier League. Like we had a really really good team that year. We I think we was. Like maybe a couple points outside the playoffs when I left in January, but I think like had we had we kept up the first half of the season form, we would have ended up in the playoffs because we we was a really good side that year. Yeah, I mean you were you, uh, you played there, then obviously you were recalled. Were you recalled, or did was it just that they only had a six month loan for you? No, so they had a year. So every well nine times out of ten, whatever player goes on loan for the season, they have a recall option in January. And Blackburn wanted me, and at the time they was, I think they were second or third in the league, and it was a potential that if I went there on loan, it was going to turn into a permanent. So it just made sense. So the legal, the legal processes, they have to recall you to then send you out on loan to Blackburn. But it was never a case of Huddersfield recalling me for me to go to them. It was always the plan was always for me to go on loan to Blackburn for the rest of the season. Huddersfield have got form for recalling players and reloading them out. Um, Grant yeah. found that out. They do, it, they do it all the time, don't they? And in fact, we're saying that they weren't going to do it. They're not doing it again this season. They are. Um, Bradford have got, I think, two or three Huddersfield players. They've got a funny feeling that we're getting screwed this January. Oh, <laughs> that, that's, that's, not, that's not really to do with Huddersfield, though. Like They, they won't have much say in that. Like It doesn't make too much difference to them whether mm. the player... As long, unless they're being recalled to play for them, it doesn't make too much difference where they're going on loan to. So... It doesn't, yeah. It's not much to do with Huddersfield, really. it's more to do with the player and the agent, what they want to do. 
But do the do the club not want you to play at the higher levels? So let's say if a you know if they, if if we've got players on loan in League Two and then someone from League One inquires at Huddersfield, would from a Huddersfield perspective, surely they want their players playing at the highest level for experience? Yeah, yeah. From that point of view, like most clubs will have a plan for their players. So if they think it's going to benefit them, then yeah, definitely. But say for my particular case, where I was going from Oxford to Blackburn, both in the same league, only a few places, they wouldn't have been bothered whether I stayed or left. Really, no. Mm. Player. I've never really had anyone answer that question before about loans. We've never spoke about loans, Grant, have we? Not, not to not. that degree. Loans, loans confuse me at times. Yeah, yeah like, uh, the loan world is is a bit of a crazy world, being the, from the players' point of view, because there's a lot of pros and a lot of cons to it. So, and and that that comes into play when when we're going to talk about Bradford. But yeah, there's mm. the loan the loan the loan market is a interesting situation. Yeah, well, Bradford. <laughs> let's do it so i'm gonna i'm gonna give you the question I, i'm gonna give you the question or the, i'm not gonna put it in the way that some people word it because i'll be honest some football fans can be dicks um i'm gonna put it in the way that i, I believe that it, it should be asked and that's that you came to bradford you yeah. hit the ground running yeah first half of the season was phenomenal yeah but the second half of the season was like a different jack pain at times yeah that's fair how does that how do you feel that works for you? Like when you hear that, what was different? Was there a noticeable difference to you? Was it something that was happening off the pitch or in like where the way you were told to play that made you a different player? Like I, I never because we, we see it quite a lot. It's it's not just something that's 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 to you. It's you see players that go to one club and it doesn't work, and then go to another club and they're that's absolutely phenomenal. phenomenal. And yeah, we, we had Owen Doyle. Um, I think kind of around the same time. Yeah, same season, yeah. Yeah, and he, for us, didn't work. Yeah. For Swindon, they call him the Ginger Pele. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, so what, What that season, you, you started again. <laughs> Here we go, debut. You scored yeah. your first goal on your debut. That's a good way to endear yourself to Bradford yeah. fans because they can be a pissy bunch at times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for you then... Who who brought you into Bradford? Was it was it Collins that brought you into Bradford? Yeah, so I signed under Collins. Um, obviously, I had a meeting with him before I came, and yeah. he told me like how he wanted to do things, how he was gonna work the team, and it it suited me perfectly. The side he wanted to play, and if I'm right in saying, I think he lasted six games. Was it? Yeah, six. Yeah, six or seven games. It wasn't a, a memorable stint. And yeah, David, David yeah. Hopkins was not after that. Yeah, then David Hopkins come in, which was a completely different style. But I also, uh, I, I done well under him. So it was nothing to do with that. But yeah, in terms of my season at Bradford, um, first half of the season, like we said, was going really well. Um, playing every game, scoring, getting assists. Um, I remember December, we hit really good form as a team. And I, me I remember I was loving it on and off the pitch. I was living with one of my friends, um, having a really good time off the pitch. And on the pitch, it was going amazing. Um, I remember the fans were singing my song like I, I, I proper loved it. Everything, everything was perfect. And then coming into January, the bit I spoke to you about before is I was on a season-long loan at Bradford, but I had a recall option in January. So coming up to January, I had about three or four clubs at the top end of League One at the time who mm -hmm. wanted to sign me. And this season, I'm also coming into my last year at Huddersfield, my contract. So in the summer, I'm going to be available on the free. So I had the decision to make with my agent, do I go somewhere now? for the long term, or do I stay at Bradford, hopefully continue my form for the second half of the season, then I'm available on a free in the summer, 
and then um, hopefully get a good move sort of thing. Um, and then it was literally, it's the 15th, the last day you can get called back. It was, I think, two or three days before the Huddersfield manager left. So he'd left, and then, then it was the next discussion of, oh, maybe I should go back to Huddersfield. They're mm-hmm. in the Premier League, they're going to get a new manager. You're in really good form. Who knows you go back, and who knows what could happen sort of thing. So there was a lot going on at the time. And then I made the decision, and Badford fans may not believe this, but I genuinely, at the time, loved the club, loved my football, loved everything. And I said, you know what? We're in a relegation battle here. I've been part of it for the first half of the season. I'm going to stay second half of the season and give it everything and hopefully have a really good second half of the season, not just for the fans, but for myself. Mm-hmm. When and, and, and I made the decision mm-hmm. to stay based on how much I loved the club because I could have easily left. I had multiple options. Um, and if I'm being honest, looking back, probably a regret because that season there was a few other lads, um, Huddersfield youngsters who ended up playing Premier League football and might not have happened to me, but there's a good chance yeah. it would have. So that is what it is. But yeah, second half of the season comes. And um, I remember it must have been about a week after I've decided to stay. I don't know who released it, but an article got released. I don't know if you've ever seen it from someone in Bradford basically saying that like I've decided to stay, but Bradford are now paying 12 grand, 12 grand a week of my wages. Yeah. Bearing in mind, I don't think, I don't think even when we we're in the Premier League, we played paid twelve grand a week to anyone. Bearing in mind, I was on nowhere near that. But bear, but but even if I was, my wage my wage never changes. When when you're on loan, you get paid by your parent club, and then the club you're on loan to, they give the parent club they reimburse them a percentage of the wage. It might be fifty percent, it might be a hundred percent, whatever it was. But yeah. it come out saying that Bradford will pay me this which was so far from the truth. Um, but anyway, loads of Bradford fans picked, on, picked up on it. I was getting loads of tweets saying, you're taking all the money out of the club, you're doing this, you're doing that, blah, blah, blah. And then it just felt like it went from the fans loving me as like the number one to like all of a sudden sort of hating me. But, yeah. but, but then, and then, so there was that, which obviously didn't feel nice for me because I'd sort of made the decision to stay with the thought of how much the fans loved me. Then all of a sudden they didn't. But then not just that, the second half of the season, I weren't good enough. My form wasn't good enough. I picked up quite a few niggles, but not an excuse. I was playing through quite a few injuries. But then I think, I'm not sure, I, I can't remember what month David Hopkins left. It was either February or March. But then yeah. Gary Bowie obviously come in for the last few months. But you, you bear in mind, when he came in, and I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but I'm going to be honest. At the time he came in, I was still top goal scorer, top assister. I think I was second in the league for chances created. I was, I was still definitely warranted a place in the team in my opinion and then he come in and he just changed it and, and he just stopped playing me so I think Bradford fans might forget out of the last I think 15 games I think I started one um, yeah. so it, it would look like and, and rightly so my second half of the season was nowhere near as good as my first half but yeah like there was a lot of things that went against me I felt in the second half of the season um, definitely a big part of that's my responsibility but there was a lot of other factors going on and yeah, how just difficult? How yeah. difficult does it make it going from being that fan favorite, everyone singing your song, you being the man, yeah, to then everyone turning on that release of that one article, probably getting stuff abuse hurled at you from the the stands, not getting that reception anymore. How does that impact you as a player on the yeah. pitch? 
Yeah, it's difficult. I think a lot of fans don't understand that. Yeah, no, no, it's it's, it's proper hard, and I, I'm I'm never one to like type my own name in Twitter because I know that you're gonna see things you don't like. But when you're getting tagged in stuff, you, you're gonna see it, and obviously it's not nice. But at the same time, I've always seen it from a fan's point of view. At the end of the day, Bradford's a huge club that should never be in League Two. Like the season before I joined in League One, they even was in the playoffs or just outside the playoffs. They've been on loads of amazing cup runs. Like Bradford are a club that are used to being having exciting times, and I was part of the team that got relegated. So. And at the time, second, if we was at the top end of the league, it wouldn't have happened. So at the time, mm-hmm. we're in the bottom four, bottom six, or whatever. They, they're gonna be, they're gonna be angry, and they're gonna like as when if if you're gonna if you're gonna accept the um, positive, like all the what's the word, accolations, you've got to accept the criticism. I understand how it works, and I'd see it from their point of view. We're, we're we're struggling at the bottom of the league. The player who they're relying on isn't performing. They're gonna be angry at me. Like I, I fully accept that, but. I do think the one perception you get about loan players, and it, it might be the case sometimes, when I was at Bradford, I was fully invested emotionally in trying to help the club stay up. And when, when they got relegated at the end of the season, genuinely, hand on heart, that was the toughest summer I had in terms of like that proper, I was devastated. Like, and obviously Bradford, have never they haven't recovered yet. I, I think they'll get promoted this year. I hope they do. But they're still in League Two a few years later. And I was part of the team that got then relegate, and that's something I regret and I live with. So I, I fully accept any, like, any, what's the word, like, negativity towards my time there. I, I hold responsibility for that. But I also, when I look back on my time at Bradford, there's that side, which is obviously the bad side, but I saw how good the club can be, how good the fans can be, and I had some amazing times there. So I do I do look back on the time, mix of views, but a lot of positive views as well. Was there any... Part where you looked at the Huddersfield squad and went, that could have been me week in, week out. I could have been playing in that team. Did that Wait. have an impact at all? Uh, I, I, do you know what? I think I think it changed so quickly. It went from me being like up here and then all of a sudden within a month, I turned down going to clubs that went on to get promoted from League One. I, I turned down going back to Huddersfield where lads are playing in the Prem in the space of such a short space of time. So at the time, if you would have asked me, I'd have said no. But looking back subconsciously, I'm seeing X team winning every week and we're losing. And I'm and at a, and at a point, I'm not even starting now. And I'm thinking, oh my God, like what have I done? Like I think of course, yeah, that probably did affect me without realising at the time. And football football is literally a confidence game. It's the biggest drug in yeah. football. And when, when you're up here, like I was at the beginning mm-hmm. of the season, no one can touch you. Like you go into games, you don't even have to think. And then vice versa, the other way, as the season goes on and you're getting close to the end of the season and you're still in the relegation battle and you're not performing and you're thinking this and that, then you're at the other end and everything you do seems, as opposed to coming off, it seems to be going against you. So it's just it's just part and parcel, the highs and the lows, really. So when you start getting the abuse, and we, we all see it, we see it at all clubs and players some of them take it, some of them fight back, some of them argue. Um, when, you, when you've taken that abuse and then you get the chance to score against that club. Yeah. So, you, so we're jumping ahead a bit here. I'm going to come back. We're gonna, but I'm going to jump yeah. ahead, Grant, because I don't know if you know this. Last season, we played Swindon at home. And Jack was on the bench and it was Mark Hughes' second game at home. We went 1-0 up. Oh, yeah, this was a penalty game, wasn't it? <laughs> okay, don't get too excited. Why are you, why are you so happy about this? Because it was funny. I enjoyed that game. Right, so I saw you warming up 
and my missus, it was her first season. She'd never done football, but she was coming to Bradford. And I, she was sat next to me and I saw you warming up. And I, as soon as I saw you warming up, I just tapped her. I went, you see that prick? <laughs> he's coming off the bench and he's going to turn this game around. And then you did. What's that like when you've taken that abuse? Because you were, you were some obviously you got applause coming on the pitch, but some fans booed you, which if you go back to a club, it's always going to happen. Yeah. When you got that penalty, Surely there was just no doubt in your mind you were taking that penalty a hundred percent. And how did it feel? Pains me to talk about this to be fair. Like, how did it feel to just be able to essentially get your own back in a way? Yeah, I, I don't know if you're gonna believe me or if any Bradford fans hear this. I don't know if they'll believe me. Hand on heart, I genuinely hand on heart, there was not one part of me that was thinking about the Bradford fans that at that point or after. That that game, I'd so obviously at Swindon, um, we're fighting for the playoffs. I've been out injured for 12 weeks. My first injury, like bad injury in professional football, like which I proper struggled with. I was out for 12 weeks, like took it really hard. And that was my first game back. And I wasn't even fully fit. Like I shouldn't have really come back. I got rushed back. Um, like I rushed myself back. And I'd, I'd not even had any shots in training. So that penalty was the first shot I took since the return of my injury. So when I scored... 90% was just pure selfish relief and like, I'm back fit, I'm back playing. The rest of it was all about getting the winner for Swindon, not one part of me. I, I don't I don't feel like, I, I never want to get my own back on Bradford. Like, I genuinely, I, I'm, I'm genuinely, I, I, when, I, when I look for the results, I want to see Bradford win. I, I would love to see Bradford get promoted this year and I would love to see the club do well. And I'm not just saying that because it sounds nice or maybe because I should say that. Like, I genuinely... That club deserves. I'm, I'm like when when you when you got a stadium, fifteen, seventeen thousand, whatever it is, fifteen thousand. That club should be in League One minimum. Like I want to see Bradford back to where. Yeah, there, there was not one part of me. And when I hear boos from away fans, like I, I don't mind it. Like fans, they it's part of parcel. Like if I'm if I'm a fan when I'm older and I'm taking my kids to a game and the next player you're gonna give them a boo. Like it's just it's it's. Yeah. Like, I quite enjoy it if I'm being honest. Like when I'm warming up, like I get names all the time. Like. I don't know, like, shouldn't, shouldn't you be in school? Does your mum know you're out, like, because I'm little or whatever? I, I, I love all that stuff. Can we just say about you being little, right? We didn't realise that you were that little until we were talking today and we realised we don't think we've interviewed anyone over five we've, foot six. We've, we've not. Everyone's been tiny. Apart, apart from David Artel. So we've had yourself, oh, really? we've, had ben, we've had Ben Whitfield, who is also tiny, yeah. and Dom Telford, who is a midget. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's one for you, right? So I'm going to put you on the spot here. You've just, like you said, you obviously want to see Bradford do well, and I, I appreciate that. Playoff final comes this season. It's Bradford versus Swindon. Where are Swindon. you? I'm Swindon. Oh, I forgot. Get, get him off! To be fair, to be fair, <laughs> given how Bradford fans can be, I'm probably Swindon as well. Um <laughs> No, yeah, don't blame you. We'll come on to Swindon because it's uh, yeah. we've got some we've got lots of questions for Swindon and a lot of them not even football related. And I'm sure you can guess who a lot of the questions are going to be about as well. <laughs> yeah, I'll come back. I'll come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but before we do, you, you left Bradford. You, you went to Lincoln. Yeah. Um, and one the main sort of question that we had from from Lincoln fans was regarding Michael Appleton. Yeah. Like, what what were your thoughts on on Michael Appleton? At Lincoln, really, that's, um, that's what they really want to know. Yeah, so obviously, I joined Lincoln uh, when the Cowleys were in charge, the Cowley brothers, and yeah, I signed for them. 
similar story to Bradford. It's happened a few times in my career. I signed for the manager and then within 10 games, he goes to Huddersfield, ironically, to the club I've just left. Um, and yeah, so obviously Michael Appleton comes in. And I remember the first game, I think it was against Paul, uh might have been against Pulps before, or whatever game it was, he'd made loads of changes, but he kept me in the team. And he said, because I played every game under the Cowleys, and he basically said, like, like I'm keeping you in the team because you're too good, not too sort of thing. And it was a massive relief because when, when there's a change in manager, you're a bit panicky, like, oh, I might not be his cup of tea, whatever. But then he kept yeah. me in the team, so I was buzzing about it. And then a few games in, um, yeah, it just sort of changed. I remember my, my last ever start for Lincoln, I scored away to Wimbledon, I want to say. And then he dropped me for the next game. And I thought, oh, that's a bit harsh. I've just scored, but not a big deal. I'll be back in soon. But then I just never came back in, to be honest. And I went, I knocked on his door loads and said, like, why am I not playing? Like, my stats are good. Um, and yeah, it didn't really give me a proper answer. But then, yeah, I went from being on the bench to coming on for a bit, then not coming on at all. And then I remember he took me out of the squad completely a couple of times, which I've never had in my career, which was tough to take. But then not long after that was uh, when COVID hit. So that, that, was, that season was cut short anyway. But it's a shame because Lincoln is actually a good club. It's got a lovely stadium. I like the area. Um, but yeah, it just didn't work out, to be honest. I've, I've got no grudges against Appleton or the club. Um, the fans were good to me. Just... just didn't work out to be honest. That that move, if I'm being completely honest. See, going kept... back to, I was going to say, going back to the the Cowley brothers. How is it when you're at a club where there is a two kind of way management? Uh, How different is that to being a single kind of manager head coach? Do you know what? At first, I thought it was going to. I thought they'd prob- they might like um, not interrupt each other, but they might get in each other's way. But I'll be honest, they done it really well. Like. Yeah, they they bounced off each other. Obviously, they're brothers, but and they've done it for a long time. But yeah, it worked. It worked really well. To be fair, they they both had similar ideas and they was on the same page. And I, I really enjoyed playing for them. I thought they were brilliant for me at the time. Um, but yeah, it doesn't. It, to be honest, it doesn't really feel that different to having one manager or two because obviously you got a system and coaches anyway. But no, I, I enjoyed the short time I had with them. I think if they stayed the whole season, I think it could have been a really good year for me. But it just is what it is. Who's good cop? Who's bad cop? Um, they sort of took turns. That's, that's what I liked about them. They, like, they, they genuinely did. Like one day, um, Nicky would be the angry one, and Danny would like say like nice or that sort of thing. And then they'd, they'd switch roles and they'd sort of calm each other down. They, they balance each other out really well. I think I don't know if it's um, intentional when they plan it or, or it just happens naturally, which I do think is the case. It's quite natural. It does seem to really work with both of them. To be fair. And when you've been dropped and you've been kept out of the team, do you often, obviously you have to look at who's keeping you out of the team. Yeah. Now, the, the guy that were keeping you out of the team uh, at the time is Jake Hesketh, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Do, do you, and this isn't being disrespectful to Jake Hesketh, but you look at where his career has gone compared to where your career has gone. At that time when you're being kept out, do you sit and do you look and just think, I could do such so much better than, than this this player is doing is that is that how does that work then in training like when you've got to train with this player that you know is taking your space and you you feel in your head i should be making the starts yeah i'm, I'm impressed i'm impressed with the research there by the way that's i got it i got it sent to me by a by a guy who runs he runs a, a lincoln okay. blog and lincoln podcast oh fair <laughs> enough fair enough yeah i was gonna say i was gonna say i haven't worked that one out but um no i think naturally every single player is biased to themselves and every player thinks I should be playing. So if, if I was playing, Jake would have thought that about me and vice versa. 
I'm not going to lie. I thought I should be playing. But that's the manager's decision. That's not his decision. Mm. I don't ever look at him and think like, how are you playing sort of thing. That's the, the football's a game of opinions. And at yeah. the time, Appleton's opinion was he was benefiting the team more than I would be. And, that, and that's something like, that's something I've lived with throughout my whole career where I, there's times where I've been playing and the midfielder who's not playing would have, might have been thinking they should be. That's just part and parcel. It is quite a weird concept, especially sometimes you get really good friends with the person you're directly competing with and it's a bit like the week you're playing and they're not and you can tell they're a bit more moody or whatever and you're a bit like, yeah. you don't really know where to go with it. But now in terms of that year, like, it is what it is. I thought I should have been playing but like I said, it's just a game of opinions and you've just got to deal with that, really. And you never really got a reason why either. I think that, nah. that's, that's probably the most frustrating part, isn't it? Like, not... I think I think if I was in your position, I could probably take being dropped if I was told why and there was a legitimate reason. But mm -hmm. to just not be told, I think, to be honest, it's a bit of a shithouse move. But yeah, yeah, great. I think that's fair to say. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot of players. If they're not playing, they'll just sort of get on with it. But I, I'll often just knock on the manager's door and just yeah. try and have it out and just say like, tell me what I need to do. And if you tell me and I go and do it, then I'll play. And if I don't, then I hold my hands up. But then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I remember I knocked on his door a few times and I didn't really get a straight answer. And I remember I even went in once, might sound a bit cringy, but I went in with a piece of paper and I said, here's my stats compared to the lads who were playing, like, uh, what, how am I not playing sort of thing. And he, he, I remember he said to me, he was like, oh, he was like, I'm buzzing off that. He was like, I like that you've done that. So I was thinking, oh, brilliant. And then I still never played. So these, these, <laughs> these things happen, but it is what it is. Um, part and parcel of the game is just opinions, really. Well, I mean, to be fair, how, when you look at it, how far does it go before you go? Do you know what? I'm I'm not getting anywhere with this. I I, I need to move on with my career. Um, yeah, yeah, it's difficult. Obviously, at that time, it got took out of my hands because the COVID come around, the season finished short, so I, I didn't really have a decision to make in that department. But if the season, if I still had four or five months left of the season, it looks like I'm not going to play. Then I think naturally you're going to want to. You're gonna. There's only so much where you're gonna try and change the manager's mind. I think as footballers we're quite stubborn and we believe, oh no, we're gonna be the one to change his mind. But at a certain point, you've got to look and say, like, I've done what I can. Um, it's not gonna change. I need to go elsewhere. Um, but yeah, it's it's just you've got to weigh up the pros and cons. Obviously, there's more to it yeah. than that. You've got to find somebody who wants you that's gonna fit you. Then it's about area finances. There's there's loads that go into it. So it's a big decision to make, really. Well, you found someone that fit you. Straight after Lincoln, didn't you? Well, let's let's get onto it because it's this is where this is where it gets exciting. I think really we won't talk about Swindon's first season too much because it was it, it to, for me. I don't really think Swindon's league position that season is anything to do with the players. There was just so much going on off the pitch, and it was it was a nightmare, really, wasn't it? And yeah, when you look at the squad that went into the second season, you were at Swindon, so last season. You guys were under a transfer embargo. You had, I think it was £1,500 a week as a, a maximum they could offer for new players. Yeah. So trying to bring in players is mad. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was 1300 the embargo was. And I remember, and then, obviously, the first season, like, correctly so, it's not worth going into because off the pitch, it was just a nightmare. But obviously, uh, I was part of it. And I think that made it, like, when it comes to the summer, being part of it, and then seeing the rebuild was quite special because I think it was around July, June, July pre-season. We come back and I think it was maybe seven signed players we had. Um, mm -hmm. We was training. We had no manager, no like director, no coaches. The, we had, the only coach we had was Steve Mildenhall, the goalie coach, and five players. And 
it was literally like it was a bit of a circus. And I, I remember every day, I, genuinely, I was checking on Twitter, like typing in Swindon because I'm thinking at some point the club's gonna go bust. Like it seemed like it was heading that way. Yeah. And then and then all of a sudden there was a takeover, and literally I'd say in the space of two weeks, like got the gaffer in Ben Garner, got his coaches in, and then just every day we were signing players. But we weren't just signing. We were signing some good players. I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember when I, I, I spoke to Johnny Williams before he signed and he said he was thinking of coming and I was like, oh my God, like, please come. And, and he ended up <laughs> signing. Ben Gladwin signed. He had loads. Obviously, McCurdy come on loan and he ended up having who, an amazing... Who, who was that one? McCurdy? Oh, we've not heard of him. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he, came, he came on loan and then he ended up having the season of his life. But it just all seemed to fall into place. It was it was a miracle season and honestly, I'm I, the fact that we never got promoted will haunt me for the rest of my life because I felt yeah. like... It, I, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Felt like it was destined to happen. It was. We we were looking, and it it was like sort of from from probably October November onwards. You guys were unstoppable, and yeah. it, it was it was horrible to to be a, a fan of a team that was in the league. Yeah, coming up against you. Yeah. What. What was it? Was it? Great. it was great to watch, though. You see from, yeah, when, we were, when you weren't playing our teams, we'd watch yours. Um, like from it, a point of us, we yeah. just really started this, um, and we'd mm. done kind of weekly reviews on on the game weeks, and Swindon were just an absolute joy to to yeah. watch, report yeah. on. It was it was phenomenal to see. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it was an unbelievable season. I think. The first few months, it was all about just bedding it in together, and it just yeah. sort of just seemed to click around the November point. And once we got going, yeah, like you said, we was unstoppable. It just every game we was we were playing some good football, like scoring goals. Every everything just sort of, yeah, we we had an unbelievable group in terms of like, I think in my career, I can't think of many change rooms where I've been in where it was like a proper family. Like it's the old cliche, but like the yeah. boys loved each other. Like you come in every day and. Most clubs you're at, like once you finish training, you get your lunch and you're off. Like lads were just sticking around to spend time with each other. The lads would come around mine, would see each other after football. It was just a proper, unbelievable group of lads, really. It was real special. Did you live with Harry McCurdy? Um, not for, not never officially, no. So for the never officially, did he just not go? Home? Did he just sleep on your sofa? Pretty much, like that. Pretty much, he's, he's that sort of guy. So. Uh, he obviously come on loan, um, started getting friendly with him, got more and more friendly. And then it, it just sort of like messing me like oh, on the way to your sort of thing. It just sort of just come round whenever. And I was living with my missus at the time. I remember the first time she met him, she weren't too keen. She was a bit like, 
he's a bit outrageous sort of thing because because he can be that's but, an understatement is it not yeah that's that's that's, that's bold yeah yeah no it's an understatement he, he, he can be quite outrageous um but yeah then he, he just he just kept coming around and to be fair him and my missus they they get on so well now she loves him he, one thing i'd say about him is once once he likes you and you're in his little small circle like mm. he'd die for you like he's got a heart of gold um but yeah i think it was we had a covid outbreak in december where about 15 16 of the team got covid but me and him didn't have it but we had to isolate for 10 days and then he just came mine and uh, he was like, oh, I'm just going to stay here. And I was like, I, was, I said, no, you're not. Like, you're not staying here for 10 days. <laughs> and it, it was literally an ongoing joke where, like, as every day would go past, he'd be like, yes, I've made it to day two sort of thing. And I was like, no, you need to get your stuff. You're leaving today. And I think he ended up making it to day four until I said, like, I, I said, seriously, you've got to go now. But, like, nah, to, to be honest, as much as I joke, like, I do love having him about. And he ended up, I think the last couple of months, when things got really serious and we were in the playoff hunt, I sort of thought to myself, do you know what? Maybe I'm better off having him around so I can keep an eye on him and keep him in good check and make sure he's doing the right things. And yeah, he ended up, yeah, he, to be honest, he stayed, he ended up uh, staying for the last couple of months. And when his um, rent finished in the summer, he ended up uh, staying at mine during pre-season. And yeah, he spent a lot of time there to be fair. <laughs> right. I, I, so here's where the questions come in about Swindon. Yeah. Okay. So, first of all, first thing that I got immediately was, please tell Jack to come back to Swindon. We need him here. So, I'm just passing the message on. I'm not saying you have to. I'm just passing the message on. Yeah. Then I got asked, who got custody of the French Bulldog? French Bulldog's mine. He's, he's in the other room right now. He's always been mine. I don't know. I think just because just McCurd is so active with his Instagram, he's always posting stuff. I never post that. It probably looked like it was him, but... The French bulldog's always mine. It never, it's never gone anywhere else. <laughs> so he, he made out he had a dog basically on Instagram for clout. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I think he just took loads. I think he he loved my dog and he took loads of pictures and I, I assumed the fans just assumed it was his. But yeah, nah, it's always mine. Yeah. So was he living with you when he went to the Player of the Season awards? Say that again. Sorry. Was he living with you when he went to the Player of the Season awards? Um, what is that the night where he wore the suit and that? Yeah, with the bucket, with the bucket hat. hat. Because yeah. I want to know who, who let him leave the house like that. No, he was living with me, but he didn't leave the house like that. I'm I'm pretty sure he, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he he just he went into London because it was in London, just wearing normal clothes, and he found an outfit on the day and just stuck with that. That's that's how I remember it. He didn't. Uh, all I know for a fact, I didn't see him leave the house like that. So you're washing your hands of that responsibility. Yeah, I, I've got no part to play. I've got, I've got no part to play in that. Well, that, have, fair, that probably answers the next question, which was an unknown What's his most annoying story. habit? Well, no, well, most annoying habit is one, but someone asked what's an unknown funny story between yourself and McCurdy. The fact that he you left your house in one set of clothes and then the, I'm guessing you saw the first time we did when the pictures came up online of him in a bucket hat and a white suit and sunglasses. Yeah, like he'd um, sent me a picture just before what he was going to wear and... It was too late by that point, but yeah, I, I I didn't see it. He didn't. I definitely didn't see it in person before anyone else did. <laughs> well, yeah, Grant, you can ask that question. The next one. Yeah. What was his most annoying habit? Um, I'd say uh, he was messy. He, like his his room by the end of it. That so we designated a room for him and all his stuff and anything that I found. He just leaves stuff on the floor and I just throw it in his room. But by the end of it. His room was an absolute like bomb site, um, and it just yeah, it just leaves stuff. He, he was messy. That's his worst habit. 
But um, he has good intentions, to be fair to him. But, you know, <laughs> funny funny story about him. And I, I was debating whether to say it or not. But no, Say it. Don't worry. Don't worry. So I don't think he'd care. Nah, yeah, that's the thing. He wouldn't care. He'd probably be. He'd probably want me to tell you. So I'd um once I'd moved to Cholton, I still had a couple months left of my rent of my house in Swindon, and he was still at Swindon, and he had nowhere to live, sort of thing. So he just carried on staying at mine. Um, so he was living there on his own for maybe two months when I weren't there, and then I'd come back um just before moving out to get all my stuff and obviously hand over the keys. They was gonna do a check to see if I got my deposit back. And I've come back to the house and I've seen on the wall about three or four dents in the wall about this size. And then I was like, what's that? I didn't straight away think, oh, it's probably him. I just thought, what is that? And then anyway, you know, when you pack in your house and you buy loads of cardboard boxes, I've had them up against the wall and I've seen one of the cardboard boxes. I've also got the same holes in them. And I've seen on the cardboard box, there's he's drawn on them and he's drawn targets. And it says like in the middle, it's got bullseye 100, then 50, 25 in the corners was like 10. Long story short, he's in the lounge practicing his golf. He's, <laughs> he's, he's basically used my drive as a golf range and he's hitting the, he's hitting the um, wooden cardboard box and he's obviously sliced a few. And there's literal golf, size of a golf ball dents in the wall, three or four, which he's not told me about. And I'm supposed to be handing the keys over two days later to see if I get my deposit back. So that's just he what he's like. Deposit back. Well, no, they. I got. I had to get some around to pay for it. Uh, it cost three hundred pounds to sort it all out, which I'm still waiting for. Um, <laughs> but he, he, he keeps saying to me, "He's like, I'm not giving you the money. I want to. Like, I want to take you out for food." He's like, "I'm going to use it as ransom so I can see you again because I've not seen him in. A, well, actually, I've seen him a couple of weeks ago, but I've only seen him once since he left. This and, is why he's fucked off to Scotland up here. <laughs> yeah, probably. But yeah, he said. He says to me, "He's like, if I send you the money, I'm not going to see you." He's like. Next time I'm in London, we'll go out for food and I'll pay for you. And then that's that's the way that's the way I'll do it. But yeah, he, he's just a carefree, no responsibility sort of guy. But yeah, I I, I you know what? I wish I had a bit of he 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 he's got like the maddest. The way his brain works is like nothing matters apart from right now. Like he's just fully yeah. in the present. Mm-hmm. So it, he could be having the worst thing gonna happen to him tomorrow, but he doesn't care. He lives about right now. And I sort of think because of that, he just lives a happy life. And I don't, I, yeah, I don't mind it. I wish I had a bit more of that in me. Obviously, yeah, there needs to be a balance, but yeah. He, he just good. doesn't care, does he? And no, I think it's, that's, it's, that's the best part. Yeah. As, as, a, as a fan of a club in this league that wasn't Swindon, he I hated him, but at the same time, appreciated him. Yeah. Like, he, he was awful to come up again. I mean, it's like his Instagram he, yeah, yeah. After that game, he he went on Instagram and just put Bradford's a shit all. I want to go home, and it's yeah, like yeah. you can't do that. But he didn't care, and he, he got in trouble care. for it, and he still and he, didn't care. Yeah, yeah, he don't care. And you got to remember, he's a massive Chelsea fan, and not just yeah. not nothing to do with the fact that it's Chelsea, but he's a massive football fan. And when he plays the game, he's he's still a fan in his head. So like, he just loves the interaction with fans, like fans booing him, and that that's his dream. So like. Yeah. When he's playing against a club like Bradford, probably one of the biggest clubs, if not the biggest, we're going to play against last season. And he's getting that sort of response. Like, he loves that. Like, he'll be at Chelsea games abusing the opposition fans and he buzzes off that. So he'll want people to do that to him. Like, that's just <clears throat> that's just how his mind works. So, yeah, like... He, <laughs> it's one of these. I said I said about him coming up to Scotland this season. I said, if he, and I really want to see him push on up here because I think yeah. he could be a right talent up in Scotland. Yeah. Mm. If he pushed on and had a season like he did last season, 
at Hibs, yeah, he would he would end up at Rangers or Celtic. Yeah, and he, and he, he would got, thrive off that atmosphere in there. Yeah, he's got he's got it in him. That was one of the reasons he went up there. I remember when he had the decision to make about going to Hibs. I remember I think he watched the it was a YouTube video. I don't know, they they won a trophy however many years ago, and he watched the video after the game when all the fans are like singing, and he was like, "Yeah, that's a bit of me." Like he buzzes off that sort of thing, which a lot of a lot of players don't really take that into consideration. But it's not worked out so far for him. But if 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 it clicks and he, he gets mm. going. Because he's not he's a proper he's a proper player like he could score at any level like in the yeah. right team. So if it works for him, like you said, like he can proper push on. So I'm hoping. I think they're they're playing Rangers now or tonight. I know they're away to Rangers. Um, so yeah, if it if it happens for him, then it could be it could be special. I remember. So I'll tell you my funny story about Harry McCurdy. Yeah. So, and Grant knows this. Grant knew this before me because I was I it was in my dreams. I genuinely, we we knew about we, were going to Hibs. we knew about we knew about his transfer to Hibs. We'd known about it for a while, and like we were we weren't revealing it, but we were kind of like dropping hints. Yeah. So for like three four days before he signed, my entire day was consumed by Harry McCurdy news. My inbox was what's happening with McCurdy? Where's he gone? I had Hibs fans. I had Swindon fans. I had. I was talking about McCurdy until eleven twelve o'clock at night. Yeah. Then on the night he moved. I went to bed after the transfer window closed. Yeah. And in the middle of the night, I started sleep talking. And my missus is laid next to me. And I start shouting, telling him to get away. Get off. Get gone. Get away. She's like, who are you talking to? I'm like, Harry McCurdy. You're walking out of garden. <laughs> She's like, what's he doing? I said, he's chasing fucking dog. And like in my head, I'm yeah. watching Harry McCurdy chase my dog around my garden. Incredible. I then fall back asleep and forget. And the next day, Grant texts me going, did you catch him in the end? And I'm going, what's he talking about? And then yeah. my missus comes in and goes, did you catch him? And I went, what have I done? Harry McCurdy in my garden. <laughs> like, no that way. Genuinely. We, we've actually, we've spoken to his agent, not like quite recently. Um, and we're hoping to get him on here. Yeah. Because I want to tell him that story because I think he'll love that story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's right I, up his street. Yeah, I'll have a word of him. I'll try and I'll nudge him to come on. But um, yes. you know what? The, the worst thing is, like, if that was a real story and he was in your garden chasing your dog, like, I wouldn't put it past him. Like, well, I think this was the thing. Like, I don't think anyone would ever, if it was any other player, they'd go, that's a bit mad, that. But because he's Harry McCurdy, they go, yeah. 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 It, was it was just one a new dog for his Instagram. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah it makes yeah, sense. He's, he'd gone to him and he didn't have yours anymore. So he came after mine. Yeah, exactly. I fucking stay away from my dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'll introduce him when he comes on. Um, so look, the summer comes, this summer just gone. There was so much talk about where you, what was happening, when you were going to move, if you were going to move, and it was quite a late move that you had. Like, question I've had is, what what was the actual story of this summer? Because I'm get, you've never had that chance to give your version of events, and like, what happened that that made you move to Charlton in the end? Because as far as I can tell, you tried to stay at Swindon quite far into the pre-season, didn't you? Yeah. So so obviously season finishes. If we got promoted, I'd have been at Swindon, like without a doubt. Like yeah. I, I, I genuinely love Swindon. Like I love it. I had, last season was the most I've ever been emotionally. Like, I was so invested in the club. Like I was so desperate for us to get promoted. It didn't happen. Um, but then I still thought, I love it here. I'm loved here. I'm playing good football. Like, 
I, w- I was not going to leave for no easy reason. Obviously, mm-hmm. early on into the off-season, the manager leaves, Ben Garner goes to Cholton. So I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like, that's a bit of a strange one. But at that time, I had no contact with... Oh. We back. We're back. We're back. Um, yeah, so I hadn't spoke to him or anything. It weren't about going Cholton at that time. I was just, I was still only in contact with Swindon, trying to sort out a deal, trying to sort something out. But at the time, they didn't have a manager. So I was saying, well, like, what's going on with that situation? That took quite a while. That took a few weeks. And then there was a few different names being thrown around. And then eventually Scott Lindsay becomes the gaffer, someone who I got on really well with from last year, who I knew well. So that was a massive positive. So that, that made it a lot more likely for me to sign to Swindon. I met up with Lindsay a couple of times, had a really good couple of conversations. Um, and it, in my head, it looked like that was going to happen. Um, <clears throat> I then got a couple offers from a couple League One clubs, um, which were quite good, but didn't really make sense. And it, I, was, I was weighing up the pros and cons, basically. Um, and then it sort of got to the point where I was pretty confident about staying at Swindon. And then that's when... Cholton got involved and the difference between Cholton and the other League One clubs was the main difference was the location um, I'd moved out when I was 21 seven years ago and I've always been two, three, four hours away from home and it was the one thing mm. that I'd, I'd missed the most was living at home like being near my friends and family and the other thing that people probably don't take into consideration I live with my girlfriend who also lived with me in Swindon who had no friends no family around her she was not miserable, but she was desperate to move back home, back to Essex. Um, and yeah, obviously, Cholton come about back in League One, where I wanted to be. I didn't want to be in League Two. I wanted to be back in League One. Um, massive club like Cholton, under the manager that I'd had my best season with the season before. It, it just it ticked all the boxes. It, it was never about the money. I, I think I've come out and said it a couple of times. If I stayed at Swindon, I'd have been on more than what I am now at Cholton. I would I would never make that up. It was never a financial decision. It, it was the, the main decisions was the ambition of being back in League One and being back home. And that's what it come down to. It was nothing to do with Swindon. They've done everything they can. And I loved the club. If I was still at Swindon, I'd have been very happy. But yeah, at the end of the day, for the and for I'd always wanted to buy my own house in Essex, which I've now done, which I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. And yeah, football's a short career. If I didn't do it now, I'd struggle to do it in the future. I'd struggle to get a mortgage after I turned 30. Um, so yeah, it was it was a life decision more than anything, and as I'm sure many Swindon fans might have seen that my start to Cholton's not been the amazing start I would have liked. I don't start every game in the league. I've only started a few, um, and yeah, obviously that's been tough to take, especially when most of them games was under Ben Garner. Obviously, has left now, but yeah, it's not been the best start I would have wanted. But even so, in terms of my life off the pitch, being able to get my own house like being near my mum, dad, sister, who have proper missed me. Like, I, I think when I first moved here, my mum come round and she literally said to me, like, I can't believe I've drove 20 minutes to see you. Like, this is so nice to me. I've not been able to do this for like nearly 10 years. And I think that yeah. moment alone, like, made it worth it, really. Um, yeah, it, it just fair had to play. be done. Oh, fair play. I don't, yeah, I don't, I, we don't think of those reasons. I think when we're looking at these things, we, I think we all do think that it comes down to one thing, in football, yeah. and it, it doesn't always. Um, between Swindon and Charlton, I have a question, and it's yeah. directly from a Crawley fan. Okay, and it's, wrote, 
I'm gonna. I told you. I said I'll ask it. We said we'd ask. We said we'd ask. How relieved are you? You didn't sign for Crawley Town. Um, I'll be honest. I wouldn't say I'm relieved. I didn't sign because, if I'm being honest, I never was going to sign there. I did. I spoke to the manager because uh, Kevin Betsy at the time he wanted to speak to me, and I'll I'll never turn down the chance to speak to a manager because I think that'd be stupid. Like you never know where a relationship could go and what you can learn from a manager. Um, They offered me a much better deal than what Swindon did and what Cholton did. But like I said, it, it this move was never about the money. If I if I was going to stay in League 2, it would have been at Swindon. And that's, yeah. I'm not just saying that now that I've gone, that that was a fact. And yeah, I, I, I the only reason I was ever leaving Swindon was to go back to League 1 and for location reasons. So yeah, the, the calling move would have never happened. But yeah, I did, I did speak to the club and I, I, they've not done too well this season, but I think they've started picking up a bit lately from what I've seen. So... Yeah, hopefully they uh, can. They, yeah, they, they parked, they picked up a bit and then they, they sacked the Hartlepool. They sacked the interim manager. Yeah. And then got beat, they got spanked by Hartlepool on Friday night. Um, so it didn't go great. But no, it's it's been a mixed match season, I think, for them. And we obviously we heard about you. Well, we didn't know you'd spoken to them, but we heard that there was a potential that you were gonna go to Crawley, and it was like yeah. they I mean, they were throwing money about this summer. Yeah, we know they were with 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 the players that they brought in, and it, you know, yeah. fair play for you for not taking that because for a lot of players they would have done, they would have just taken that. Yeah. And I mean, Crawley to Essex is, I'm I'm guessing closer than Swindon to Essex. It wouldn't have been as far. You'd have been just yeah a little bit further out. Obviously, over London, it's not too hard to travel, is it? So yeah, yeah. The, the other thing was that this I'm 28 now. Yeah, my next contract was going to be a two year deal. Like that takes me to 30. If, if I didn't sign for a a League One club now. Hopefully, if I stayed at Swindon, we would have got promoted. But if we didn't, then it would. It, every year that goes on, it becomes a lot harder to climb up the ladder, which was another yeah. thing that come into it. Which was another reason I weren't going to go call yeah. it. it. Was it was about climbing, climbing the ladder really? Um, yeah. But yeah, nah, it's a difficult one. But it, I don't know. It's hard. I, I, I honestly like when I when I when it comes to leaving Swindon, the amount of uh, things I was getting tagged in Twitter, like sending like emotional videos and that and that. Like fans probably don't think the players see it, but it on it got to me, and I was a bit like, "Oh my god, that like, how can I leave this sort of thing?" But it made sense for me and my family. But yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I don't understand how how people find out about the Crawley talks, and I literally I must have had like two words with a manager on text, and then I was arranged a Zoom call. Then all of a sudden, everyone knows that there's rumours that I'm going. There. I don't know how it works. It's incredible how quick word spreads. Yeah, it's, some of the some of the things amazing. that we hear about, and we're like. What? And then a couple of days later, it'll become news. Yeah, like, yeah. How how did we get that? Yeah. So, uh, like, some of the things that, that that get that come about. I mean, McCurdy going to Hibs. Yeah. The amount of abuse we got from people when we we kind of let on that we knew early on that McCurdy was going to leave. The amount of abuse that we got. Really? Yeah. There's no way he's leaving. He's not going. He's 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 staying with us. And then. The amount of abuse the SPFL got as well. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. And then, then when we said it was going to be Hibs, it was, ah, oh, he's not going to Hibs. Why would... Then Hibs fans started coming in and they're going, what What have you heard? And we're like, just, you know, wait. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously he goes and then all those people that give you abuse go really quiet and you never hear from them again. <laughs> yeah, sounds so, about right. Well, look, before we... We're going to move on to Charlton now. Before we do, I'm going to ask you, because obviously Swindon... For me, sounds like that's your club now. Like you, you've got that emotional tie to Swindon. Do you think you'll go back to Swindon before the end of your career? Ooh. 
I've no idea. I've never, I've never turned, I'd never say no. Like if, yeah, I, I, like I said, I genuinely love the club. Like the, the, like the fans were amazing to me. The, the players were amazing, and yeah, I don't know. They've got this. They've got that one song that they sing that gets me every time. You know, the take my hand, take my whole life too. Like that, that, that song. Yeah. Gets me. I, yeah. I look back at the Swindon with nothing but love, and if I am ever, if I am ever back there, then. I'll be very happy, but yeah, I got no, I got, I've no idea what the future holds for me. Fair play, fair play. Um, so Charlton, obviously, you, you mentioned it's not gone great for yourselves. It's not gone how you'd have expected it to, or how you'd have wanted it to. The the, the question that I kind of got from about Charlton was, are, are you still enjoying Charlton with Ben Garner gone? Because obviously, you worked under Ben at Swindon. He brought you into Charlton. It didn't work out. He's gone. Are you still happy there? Not, not, not. You still happy there? Because I think you, you've not been there long enough to really be unhappy. It'd have to be a really drastic situation to be unhappy. But are you? Is it still the same for you? Like, how, how does it when you lose a manager who you've followed from another club? How do you deal with that, and how do you adapt? Especially when you've maybe not been in the squad as much, um, and you're trying to yeah. break in, and then the manager changes. Is it like a fresh slate for you? Is that what the manager says when he comes in the new one? Um, well, yeah, it's a difficult one. Obviously, I, like I said before, I've signed for a lot of clubs and the manager's left, but it's slightly different because I've, fo- I've had a full season with him last season and then I followed him to a new club and then he's left five months into his tenure. But yeah, it's just it's just part and part of fo- uh, football. A new manager's going to come in and I've got to try and impress him and show what I can do. But I think it might have been worse if, say, this season I played every game under Ben Garner, then he left and the new manager come in I didn't play then I'd be in a bit of a sticky situation. But I've not played uh, every game on the Bengana, so a new manager comes in and he might play me every game. Like, you never know what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I'd imagine when the new gaffer does come in, he will probably look at some of the previous games. But hopefully, all in all, it'll be a bit of a fresh start and hopefully I can prove what I can do. Obviously, I'm only six months into my contract. I've got two years here, so I've got a lot of time to prove to the Cholton fans what I can do and... Yeah. what I can bring to the table. I've shown glimpses. I've, I've still got quite a few goals and assists this season, even though I've not played loads. So, yeah, I'm, I, there's still... I think the when we were speaking about the uh, South End year where I had my best year, I think up until November, I'd scored like one goal. And then second half of the season, I was on fire. And then everyone remembers that as my best season ever. But opposite to the Bradford year. Yeah. First, but I think everyone always remembers the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Um so who's to say that hopefully I, I can't smash it second half of the season and then all of a sudden Cholton fans are saying what a, fir- what a great first season it's had. Whereas, it, yeah. you know, do you know what I mean? The football's a short-term game. So I've, I've still, I've not, I've, I'm nowhere near right in this season. I've still got a lot of hopes for this season and yeah, new gaffer comes in and hopefully things will change around. I think yeah. every, I think every fan in the, in the, in the leagues knows what Jack Payne is all about as well. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, nightmare. That's yeah, <laughs> horrible yeah. to play against. Yeah, great having your team. Yeah, it's mad, but like I've, I've been in like, the professional game ten years now, which is is mental. Like I've played over three hundred fifty games, like most of them across League One, League Two. And like, obviously, I have a season in the champ. So, yeah, I, I know I've played against pretty much every team. So, I, I love playing, and yeah, I'm just hoping I've got another ten years in me, hopefully, because yeah, you can't beat it really. Yeah. Well, you've got Bristol Rovers this weekend. Yeah. Uh, that's a big game, is that? It's a really big game. Bristol Rovers obviously came up last season. They had a phenomenal second half. When we talk about second half of the yeah, season, exactly. yeah, yeah, they, they, they are the second half of the season team, aren't they? 
yeah. I think we we checked they were 18th in the league on the first of January last year. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I think it was around Christmas time. I think they might have been about 21st, and Jay Barnes come out and said they'll still get promoted. And everyone was thinking, I'm not sure about that one, but fair play, stuck to his word. And it was it was coming to the last game of the season, so we recorded a podcast, and I said on the the, the podcast, I was like, all Bristol Rovers need to do is beat Scunthorpe seven nil to go up, <laughs> and I think they're going to do it. <laughs> that game is going to finish seven nil, and then yeah. everyone was like, Nah, yeah. it's never going to happen. I went, Watch it, this is going to happen, Jesus. and it just oh. happened. And yeah. everyone was, my phone was like, what the fuck have you just done? Yeah, please, <laughs> tell, me, please tell me you put a bet on it. No, I didn't. No, he didn't. No, he stupidly, didn't. stupidly. Um, yeah, I, I can you imagine the odds? So I remember we had to beat Walsall to get in the playoffs and we come off the pitch, we'd just beat them 3-0. And I remember one of the lads telling me Bristol had gone up automatically because they'd won 7-0 and I couldn't get my head around it. Like, it was crazy. I, yeah. You just, had, you just had that spell. It was when Harry McCurdy got injured when everything just kind of it was like a six or seven game downward spiral for a bit. Yeah. When you were clear in the playoffs, you dropped down, but then you just climbed back in. Yeah, and you had that momentum going through, and I was like, "You're going for, you're going to do it." And then, yeah, I, I, I was, out. I was convinced we was going to win the playoffs. I think, yeah, it was. I think we had eight games to go, and I think we won seven out of the eight. And we, mm-hmm. when it comes to the last four, we had to win every one to have a chance, and then we won all four. So I remember at that point it was already like sort of a knockout football. Like we, we'd already been used to having to win each game, and then we win the first leg of the playoffs, and we go into the second. Yeah, I, yeah, I still, I still to this day that that night haunts me. But yeah. So on, so obviously that night the Port Vale game, the penalties. Yeah. A lot of fans weren't happy with McCurdy when he yeah. missed his penalty, and he turned and laughed. But yeah. that's is that just his way you think of dealing with a really awkward situation because he's had a phenomenal season and that's how it's ended is that do you think that's just his way of dealing with that sort of situation yeah i'd say when i said before like i've never cared so much about getting a team promoted he was well on board like he was he was emotionally he's the most he's the most emotional person i've ever come across and he was committed he come back with the four games to go and said, I'm, I'm 100% going to win all these four. And I think he scored in every game. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you something about him that night, the playoff um, semis, when he missed the penalty. Obviously, he'd done that reaction, whatever. And this is, I, I promise you, he come back to mine that night, stayed at my house. Me and him, we, we didn't sleep. We, we sat up in my lounge all night till it got light outside with a glass of wine and a hand on the heart. And he won't mind me saying this. He cried his eyes out for about seven hours straight, just cried his eyes out. The next day we woke up, went into London. I was driving. My mum called me and she was like, oh, like, how are you feeling that? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, I'm, I'm all right. She was like, oh, how's Harry? And he sat next to me. And all, that's all she said is, how's Harry? And he just started crying again. Like, he, he was an emotional wreck. Like, there's, there's not one Swindon fan that would have gone through or, like, cried as much as he cried. Like, I can't tell you how yeah. how much that night affects him. Every, every time I speak to him, not every time, but... We, we, he's, we speak about it all the time. Like even Harry Kane misses the penalty the other night. Straight away, like his 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 first thought is about like ha, like because he's a big England fan as well. So I might we're watching that and he's like, I can't believe it's missed. And he was like, I literally done the same thing. Like and it just brings it back to him. But yeah, that 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 reaction with the smile. That's just people react different ways to awkward. He's never been in a situation like that again. And I said yeah. to him, I missed the big penalty when I was younger. But 
um, Sheffield Wednesday in the playoff semi-finals. And as I said, since then, my whole mindset towards penance has been so different and my record's been so much better since. But he'll learn from that. But yeah, that destroyed him for, for, yeah. for a while. That's mad because I don't I don't think we we don't appreciate that knock on effect. Yeah. I think as, as fans we I, I like that would have never entered my head as as being his reaction. Um, yeah, we we we, 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 we we watched the game back about we watched the game back a few times and we're just sitting there and we're just thinking how have we not won this and yeah. I, I, I promise you I, we was, must have been sat there until about seven eight in the morning. It's light outside. We're still downstairs in the lounge just going through it in our heads, like, how is this happening? And it, 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 I remember, like, I'd be sat there on my phone and I've, I wouldn't forget he was there, but I wouldn't even be thinking. I got to go to the toilet, I walked past him and, I, and he's just sat there, just literal tears streaming down his face. Like, he was an emotional wreck. I feel really bad now. No, honestly, <laughs> see, 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 just yeah, to say, how depressing is it? See, after a match, see where you get beat, where the gaffer pulls you in. And sits yeah. down and goes right. We're watching this game back. Yeah, how that, depressing that's... is that for the when the gaffers are just pulling the game apart? You're just going, ah, oh, yeah. shit. Here we go. Yeah, it's soul destroying. Um, but yeah, get, yeah. Back onto the point about how it affects us after, because I think some perception is that like after a game, whether you win or lose, like the lads go out on a night out or they go for food or they forget about it. But majority of players, like if I lose the game, it affects my weekend. Like or. I've always said, like, if I play really well and score, or if I play really bad, I'm having a sleepless night. The only time I sleep all right is if it's just a bit of an average game, like a draw or whatever. But apart from that, like, my, my missus would be the first, like, I'm a different person for the rest of the Saturday and the Sunday, whether we've won or lost. Like, it, mm. the, the, the players, they do care. And I, I know it's the same with fans. I've talked to loads of supporters who say the same, like, their week depends on how well the team's doing and... It's mad how much the game affects us, but yeah. But yeah, in terms of putting the game on, like when you come in on the Monday and you can just see the game pause at the beginning and all the chairs are out there and you know you're watching the game back <laughs> and then you're just you're just you're just thinking about you like you're watching the build up and you're like, oh, I'm about to get the ball and lose it here, and you know it's coming and you just you just yeah, want the ground, you just want the ground to swallow you up. Game. Yeah, yeah, you want the ground to swallow you up and you can feel your eyes on the back of your head and you're like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> well, look. If he, if he watches this, because he, he might do, but Harry, we'd love to have you on. And yeah. we'd love to hear your side where you say you didn't cry, you were stone-faced, <laughs> and Jack cried all night. Yeah. And he came and lived with you for three months and how he stole your dog. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we think is going to happen here. Yeah, that's, that's the real story. Shall, <laughs> shall we do some League One teammates? Yeah. So... That's the end of the like the conversation, but we're gonna we're gonna make it a bit fun now, a bit of a fun end for you. Right. Let's see how brave you are. Yep. In terms of answering these questions, because we've had some belting answers. Okay. So the, the standard's high. Yep. Right. Oh, yeah. So here is Jack on his Charlton teammates. So first up, who's who's got the worst taste in music? Um, I'll say. Sam Lavelle, only because he's the, he's the current DJ and I was the DJ and it's sort of, every time I was DJ, he'd hammer my music and then he took over and yeah, do you know what, he, he ain't he ain't the worst, but he's the one that comes to mind because he was a bit of a hater when it comes to my music, so. So what's the, di what's the difference in the musics? Um, I went for more upbeat, uh, how sort of like get the lads going, he's more of like a, 
Drake, softer sort of music, and then gets it going towards the end. But I like to just get it going the whole time. Fair, fair. Who's the worst dressed at the club? George Dobson. Harry McCurdy last season, wasn't it? Yeah, it would have been. But yeah, George Dobson this season, he just, he doesn't really put stuff together. Like he just, he'll wear, like even on a match day when everyone's supposed to wear the same, he somehow just doesn't make it look good. Like his socks are at different lengths and his his laces are a different colour to his trainers. Just, yeah, it's just a bit of a mess really. <laughs> Who's got the worst trim? Um, Charlie Kirk. Without a doubt, and he's non-stop playing with his hair as well. Like the hairspray before the game, he must do this about hundred times a minute. But yeah, he's trimmed miles off it. Who picks up the most stupid fines? Uh, Corey Corey Blackett Taylor at the moment. Um, every well, I don't know what he's getting fined for, but every week, uh, Ryan Ryan does our fines, um, and he puts in the chat. And every week, Corey's just got fine. He's always. He's always the one who's not paid from last week and he was always the one that's got the most new fines. But yeah, I, I, to be honest, I couldn't even tell you what they're for. It's just probably a little sloppy thing, but he's just <laughs> seemed to mount up. Does he argue them? No, nah, he's the most he's the most laid back person in the world. He, he would never argue the fines. I think he, I think he's just that he just forgets to pay, yeah. <laughs> who's the who's the, always the first one out in the bleep test or the slowest in the team? Oh, that's difficult. I've, we've not had any running tests since I've been here. Um, honestly, I wouldn't even be able to give a name for that. Um, I'd assume it would be the Goldies because they're usually... But I, I think the Goldies here are quite fit. Do you know what? I'm struggling for a name there because we've got quite a fit group. We've not done any testing, so I, c- I couldn't even give you anything. Finally, you might know what's coming. Answer this one anyway in which you desire. Who's the longest in the shower? Do you know what? I knew that was going to come. And I... <laughs> um... Just bear in mind, Dom Telford didn't even bat an eyelid. Not <laughs> only did he answer, he went into detail. Did he, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? Usually, usually in every team, there's just one that straight comes out. And I, I can't think who that is in our team. Do you know what? I'm going to say... Oh, I've got a few names. I've got a few like images in my head that I'm trying to think. <laughs> Um, who's the longest? I'm trying to go around the change room and picture everyone at their places. Um, do you know who I'm going to say? Both goalies spend a lot of time in the shower, Jojo and Craig. But I'm going to have to give it to Jojo. He spends a bit longer in the shower. And that, that's, that's, that's all I can give you. There we have it. Fair play. I like it. I like it. I like how you've, you've, you've said... Spends a long time in the shower, and yeah. Dom Telford went, "No, he's massive." <laughs> don't mind it. I don't mind it. <laughs> and just, but then we were like, "Oh, fair play." And he went because, and then he just went. <laughs> and we were like, "Oh, we're like, do we need to edit this out? How do we do it?" And it, yeah, we don't mind. It went it's out. A bit it's a bit no, of fun. No bad feedback. I mean, who would, can you imagine that player sat there at home listening to it, just going, <laughs> "No, I bet." Yeah, I bet he was buzzing. I bet he recorded it and sent it to everybody. No. <laughs> Dom, yeah. Dom's been looking. Um, <laughs> well, look, we've reached the end. Honestly, this has been this has been classic, and I think we didn't expect you to go into the detail. I think that you did, and a lot of players can be quite reserved. So, honestly, thank you very much for that. And I do think that you've given fans of these clubs some answers that you haven't had. Like we say, you don't get the chance to say goodbye, especially like loan clubs and things. You don't get that chance. So, honestly, this has been great. This so thank you very much. Really enjoyed it. Um, 
yeah, good luck for the rest of the season. Good luck this Saturday. We've got a Bristol Rovers fan in our WhatsApp group, so please smash them. Yeah, I'll try. Yeah, I'll That'll try. But yeah, no, nah, yeah, I've I've enjoyed coming on. You've asked me questions that I've not been asked before, and I've not actually since since I've left Bradford and left any clubs. No one's. I've never actually got to say the reason. So it's quite nice for me to actually be able to express myself. So yeah, thanks that's for why having, we do it. Thanks for having us on, <laughs> Grant. Walk us out. Do you know what? I think you've done a really good job for most of it. So all I'm going to say is everyone give us a follow on all our socials, Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is, share it out, smash the like button, um, rate us five out of five on Spotify, Apple Music, give it a share as well. I, Jack Liam said it, absolute pleasure having you on, mate. I Good luck for the rest of the season and hope to speak to you soon. Thank you very much, Grant. And everyone. Liam, pleasure. We've been the lower league. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.